This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to The Shakeup, where we explore the business decisions that dare to be different and the leaders who are shaking up their industries. My name is Alexis Gay. And I'm Brianne Kimmel. And on each episode, we'll bring research and data-backed insights to dig into the minds of business leaders and learn how they make the decisions that challenge the status quo. You can support the show by following us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or honestly, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be there, hanging out, talking business, ready and waiting to shake things up with you. Brianne, question for you. What are you working on these days? So I'm a venture capitalist and help tech companies with strategic insights to scale their business. Alexis, what's your deal? You're a comedian hosting a business podcast? Wouldn't you know it? You know, I used to work in tech and now I'm a comedian hosting a business podcast. Well, here we are. Happy to be here. Are you ready to dive in? Absolutely. I could not be more excited to bring on today's guest. He's the co-founder of Square and author of the innovation stack, building an unbeatable business, one crazy idea at a time. Jim McKelvey, welcome to the shakeup. Thank you. Hi, Alexis. Hi, Brian. Hi, Jim. It's so great to have you. I'm super excited. Yeah. Just a note on the innovation stack quickly. Uh, Jim, you're funny. Like, you're very funny. Well, thank you. But looks aren't everything, you know? <laughs> I really loved the writing of your book. I, I thought it was really engaging the whole way through. And uh, I also learned a lot. We love Thank to you. learn. We love Thank to learn you. and we love to laugh. I didn't want to write a business book. I really yes. hated the idea that it would be a business book. But it is. It's That's the genre that it's in. But if you read it, there's some. There, actually, there's a really dirty joke in the book that my uh, editor didn't catch. And I was going to tell him about it. And then I thought, no, nah, man, if you're too checked out to find it, I'll leave it in. Can I guess which one it was? No, no. <laughs> no come on, if you got to keep it here. Yeah, it's it's in there, and I'm sort of embarrassed about it. But but it's also a really puerile joke, so you have to have sort of the uh, pretty raunchy sense of humor to get it. But, oh, yeah, it's there. It's there, and keep it to yourself. Okay, yeah, secret saved with me. So, Jim, just before we dive in a little bit, can you tell us what is the innovation stack? So the innovation stack is this thing that I discovered while I was trying to answer a question that was plaguing me, which is how Square survived an attack by Amazon. So uh, I think we'll get to this in a minute, but Square was attacked by Amazon when we were a startup. And at the time, every company who had been attacked by Amazon when they were a startup died. Mm. There was a 100% mortality rate or had been absorbed into Amazon, which I would mm -hmm. also consider you know, maybe death or worse. <laughs> and so we were looking at this very dire situation and we did some kind of crazy stuff and it worked. And, and, and then after it worked, I thought, why did it work? Mm. And I couldn't answer that question. So um, and I, I'm a sort of nerdy engineer and I went on this research quest looking for other companies that had lived through similar situations. So I studied historical you know, businesses. I studied uh, boring businesses. I studied the airlines. I studied all these areas where Technology was not the major force, but there was this thing that kept showing up in my research. And it was this thing that I labeled an innovation stack. And it's just this very simple idea that invention is not one or two things. It's usually this messy conglomeration of 
10, 20, 30, 40 mm-hmm. things. So I always use the word innovation like a mass noun, like cement. Like you don't mm-hmm. buy a cement, you buy <laughs> cement. It's this thing, yeah. it's volume, you know. So to me, innovation is a mass noun. Mm. One thing that really struck me at the beginning of the book is the intellectual honesty of the founders at Square. Like you went through and listed all of the reasons that the company may potentially fail, which I think in this environment is a very audacious move to say not only to have a pitch deck of all of the great things that are about to happen, but we've really thoughtfully broken down all of the reasons that we may potentially fail. And I greatly appreciated that level of honesty. So did our investors. Uh, Mm -hmm. It turns out that, Brian, that was a pivotal moment in us selling the company to the investment community because for the first time, I think ever, we admitted all the stuff that could go wrong. And we openly discussed that in the pitch meeting. Look, humility is a superpower. Okay. Mm -hmm. Humility, if combined with audacity, gives you the ability to get feedback into your ego-saturated brain. Absolutely. That's great advice across the board for anyone really thinking about starting a new venture. Okay, let's talk about the meeting about Amazon. So tell us a little bit about, you of course know the meeting that I'm referring to. Do you want to set the stage a little bit? Well, Jack was dressed in all black and uh, he announced that Amazon had copied our product Mm -hmm. and was going to undercut our price, which is what they always do. Mm -hmm. And he told the board what was happening. And we have a very intelligent group of people on the board and we have a lot of experienced folks and we were all stumped. And was everybody in the room with you? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a board meeting. And it, it was, it, the board meetings at Square are usually fun. Mm-hmm. And this was just dark. It was this moment where we hoped there was some solution. And we did what you normally do when confronted, which is you look for other people whose solutions you can copy. Like, who's beaten Amazon? Well, let's find somebody. There must be somebody. Nobody. So then I went into full-on panic. I was like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then we started iterating through the questions of, well, what could we do? And, you know, one of the most basic ones was Amazon was undercutting our price. Well, we could lower our price and match Amazon. And then here's the thing. We chose our price to be as low as it could be and still serve our customers. Like, if we had matched Amazon price, we would have been out of business. Mm -hmm. And it also was not something that would have been honest to our consumers because it would have basically just been saying, oh, you know, look, you know that price we've been charging you for the last four years? Well, uh, we could have done better. Yeah. And our answer to our customers was, look, I'm sorry, we're doing as well as we can. We're doing the best we can, and that's the price you get. And if we can lower it in the future, we will, but we can't do it just because, mm-hmm. you know, the biggest company in tech has decided that they want to kill us. So we didn't lower our price. We didn't actually even do anything that was different, mm. which was the amazing thing. We wanted okay. to do something. Because look, if you're being attacked, the, the hardest thing you can do is to not react. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not overreact. Wow. Yeah. That must have been a really hard conclusion. It was terrifying. And this this was, this was made it even more interesting when we won for me mm. to answer the question, why? What the heck happened? Because I was so happy we won. But then I, I was like, why did we win? Like, okay, mm-hmm. was this just luck? Or was there some deeper pattern here? Was there something that might be a lesson for me or other people? But the strategic discussions, which I think I was privy to, um, were basically the same, which is like, what can we do? What can we do that we're not doing? And the answer was nothing. We're doing everything we can do, and we have been, because Mm -hmm. we're 
motivated by the needs of our customers. Totally. Focusing on the customers. So we weren't sitting there thinking, oh, well, if a competitor does this, this is our counter move. We were like, oh, yeah. what's a customer need? And, and with you know mm-hmm. millions of customers, you have a long list of requests. One thing that I really loved about um, at the beginning of the book is, is when you talked about all of the regulatory constraints. And in, in the early days, <laughs> oh the God. fact that Square was violating <laughs> hundreds, if not thousands of laws. 17. Oh my God. I was going to say, if you multiply the fact that every transaction broke 17 laws, rules, or regulations... Right. By the number of transactions, we were in the millions of transgressions. Yeah, it would have been a, it would have been a bad meeting. <laughs> Did that make you sweat? Would you think about that sometimes in the middle of the night and just be like, oh my God, we're breaking a lot. Yeah. In, in, in our case, we looked at some of these laws as these sort of vestigial things. Like, you know, I mean, there's a law in my neighborhood, you can't have more than 12 chickens. Well, <laughs> nobody has 12 chickens in my neighborhood. It, it is on the books. Okay. Some of those laws were like the 12 chicken laws. Okay. Uh, some of the laws were simply ones that didn't anticipate the technology. Mm-hmm. And then there were a couple that were absolutely reasonable and needed to be complied with. You know, OFAC, mm. KYC, like the, the, the security around moving money. We were in early violation of all that, but we had to yeah. get compliant with those and we did. Wow. So Jim, let's talk a little bit about Halloween in 2015. So you got some pretty big news on that day. Can you tell us a little bit? Well, first, actually, let me ask you this. Were you dressed up? I was in costume. Okay. What were you wearing? I was dressed as the Joker. My wife was dressed as Catwoman. And my son was dressed as Batman. That's adorable. The best treat I got that night was Amazon announcing that they were going to discontinue their competitor to Square. Mm -hmm. And not only that, they were going to mail one of the little white square readers, the thing that I designed four years earlier, they were gonna mail one of those to all their customers. So Amazon was not only getting out of the business, but they were basically giving us all their customers. Truly unbelievable. And I know I talk a lot of crap about Amazon, but they're a well-run company. Like, and look, yeah. they, they were probably not trying to be nice to us. What they were doing is they were trying to take care of their customers. Right. So they. Right offered this thing, the thing didn't work, and they said, what's the best alternative for our customers? Well, the best alternative was Square. So you know what Amazon did? They swallowed their pride, they got a bunch of our equipment, and they mailed it to their soon-to-be former customers. I thought it was a classy move. Absolutely. Like, say what about Amazon? They treat their customers well. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. they have that integrity. And, and I saw it, and it was, it was wonderful. So happy Halloween. <laughs> they pointed to the press release, and you know, I'm not going to tell my kid because he doesn't understand this. I tell my wife, I was like, guess what? Yeah. (laughs) And uh, oh my God. At that point, it was like, wow, maybe we can have guacamole with our next burrito because we won't be poor again. (laughs) That's right. Full-size candy bars next year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Not the fun size. Did it feel real in that moment? No, it didn't. It didn't. This stuff takes days to settle in. Sometimes it still doesn't feel real. When I look back right now and realize the trajectory that we had, I was yeah. like, did did that actually happen? Hmm. Yeah, it did. It did. And it's well documented. But I still don't think a lot of the stuff that's happened to me is, is real. I mean, I've been so lucky. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I feel like I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Do you still have any lingering nightmares or thoughts of what if the opposite were true? Like, what if Square did not exist today? What if Amazon had won? Oh, I'd be fine. I mean, I always considered myself rich before 
Amazon because not because I had a lot of money, but because mm -hmm. I have really cheap taste. The day I realized I was I was rich, I was going to work, and the radio was giving away some uh, some ten thousand dollar prize, and the mm. radio announcer's like, "Just imagine how ten thousand dollars is going to change your life." And I thought about mm -hmm. it, I was like, "Oh my god, it wouldn't." And oh, I thought and about how much moment. money it would take to change anything. Mm. Look, I live in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I hang out with a bunch of people who are not rich. I mean, like, it, look, do I have excesses in my life? Absolutely. You know, mm. um, I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, I've, I've succumbed a little bit. But like, basically, I don't. If yeah. Square had not happened, um, I, I would have one one thing that would be that I. There was one reason I wish it hadn't happened. Hmm. These days, I have to say no to so many things that I would normally just say yes mm. to, because people don't want to meet me; they want to meet my money. Oof. People Ugh. are pretending to be interested in Jim McKelvey or my ideas or my book or whatever. And then they kind of do that pivot. Hey, Jim, I got this. And then boom, comes the ask. And and that just bums me out. I went out to lunch the other day with somebody who I kind of liked. And, you know, I didn't know him that well. He seemed really interesting. Yeah. Oh, man. Halfway through the lunch, I was like, oh, here it comes. Oh, my God. You know? And I was like. Dude, you should have just had lunch with my wife. She runs the foundation and gives the money. Right. Like, don't. So I regret that, but the rest of it's hmm. fine. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. So, Jim, I want to take you back to a moment that you talk a little bit about in the book, which is attending a party at a Spanish palace. I guess my first question just is if you could tell us a little bit about this palace. Like, you know, what's the vibe? Is this a dark, gloomy palace? Is this like gorgeous, opulence, Phantom of the Opera palace? Like what kind of palace are we working with here? This is your Disney Castle palace. This Ooh, is okay. badass, super wealthy, great, 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 great grandparents uh, that has, you know, this, this is nobility. You know, mm. back when they had nobility, back when the mm -hmm. Queen of Spain funded Christopher Columbus rich, yes. right? Yes. And it turns out, uh, as it happened, that that was this family. <laughs> like, this was part of the venture capital for Christopher Columbus. And wow. um, I've got to set the context because at this point, I had been perplexed by the answer to the question, how did Square survive Amazon? So mm -hmm. I've got this question rattling around my head and I can't answer mm. it. I'm like, what happened? What happened? Yeah. What happened? What? How come I can't find it? I'm studying, I'm, I'm talking to people. Like I'm, I'm, I'm basically, you know, obsessively trying to answer this question. I can't think it out. What, and I was mm -hmm. like, what's going on? What's going on? And so I go to this party and there's a tour group because the place is kind of huge. Yeah. And uh, we go into the library and the tour guide shows they show us the original letters of Christopher Columbus back to this family that had funded him. Wow. And I was I was like, oh my God, this is his pitch deck. Like this is this is what Columbus did to get funded. And then I thought, hmm. oh my God, You're like I, because I was living in the startup world, I was like, oh, you think you had it tough. 
trying to raise your money for your startup. Yeah. Like this guy had to raise money and talk about hiring people. Like I hire people if we fail, they lose their job. You know, Columbus yeah. fails, they die. And all of a sudden it just hit me in this moment. I remember because the tour group had left and I'm sitting there just transfixed, looking mm. at Columbus's handwriting wow. going, oh my God, that's the answer. That's the answer, that's mm. the answer. And the answer was, I've got to mine history. I don't want to look around me in contemporary business. I need to look at history because if there is a power that protects you from forces like Amazon, if there is that power and it exists, it will have shown itself throughout history. And by God, the second I started doing that, it was like, example, example, example. I was all of a sudden, I went from like no data to do my research mm -hmm. to like, oh my God, I've got so much data. I've got too much totally. data. And so then I could be like super picky about the stories that I actually deeply researched. And I could just, I could mm -hmm. say, okay, I need one right here. I need one right there. I went right, right there. So it was a beautiful moment in sort of self-discovery and research um, and also humility. Like what our forefathers had to deal with was just way worse than what we've got now. Like it is easy today. Totally. Compared to what people had to do. Yeah. That's amazing. Jim, how has this discovery, your discovery of looking back on historical figures and moments in history where they were using the innovation stack changed the way that you now moving forward in a post, like the post Amazon battle, obviously not post square. How has that changed the way that you approach business today? So the big insight of the book is that the process of innovation is fundamentally different and it feels different. And here's how it feels. So what I tell my readers or potential readers is, look, the reason you read the innovation stack is that at some point in your life, you are going to run up against the edge of human knowledge. And when you do, you have this moment of choice. I want more people in the world to feel like they could. Not necessarily going to succeed, but at least understand that there is the potential for success on the other side of that line. Look at what that potential is like. I mean, you know, sort of vicariously live through it, you know, laugh about it, have some, you know, read some good stories about it. And let me tell you the thing. Hmm. When you're in the process of, of building an innovation stack, it is so darn uncomfortable. So I want people to have recognition. So first of all, recognize the boundaries. That's hugely helpful, okay? Uh, secondly, understand when it's appropriate to copy and when you need to innovate. And the big chunk of the book is sort of this, this discussion of how we are wired to copy and why that's good. Like I'm not knocking copying. I'm mean, like, oh, McKelvey hates copying. No, 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 no. I do that every possible mm -hmm. moment I can. I will steal your best ideas anywhere. Like I will use that because that's what usually solves a problem. Innovation is a last resort, but if it is mm -hmm. your last resort, then understand how it's different. Then be able to recognize at least some of the big things about innovation that are likely to cause discomfort. So it's your expectation. Like if you expect mm -hmm. things to be harder than they are, you're probably gonna be happy. So one of the things I wanted to do was prepare the reader. Look, if you step across that line between the known and the unknown, it's going to get unpleasant. It will not kill you. Mm -hmm. It might be really wonderful on the other side eventually, but here's what it's like, be prepared. Your focus is to build. Your focus is to figure out something that nobody else has figured out. How many pieces do you have to come up with before you've got an innovation stack that actually works? And by the way, there's no guarantee that you're ever gonna reach that limit, but you do, and if you do, 
the world changes. Like it's just amazingly powerful if you build one of these yeah, things. Yeah, that's great. Amazing. Well, Jim, it's been so much fun catching up today. Um, we've gone to a palace with you. We've hung out on Halloween. Like there's been so many amazing <laughs> stories and this has been such a delightful conversation. One question for I'm you. I'm sorry I didn't dress in costume. I know, no. I know. <laughs> One question for you. I mean, what are you working on these days? Oh, a couple of things. Um, I'm working on a, a glass that's difficult to drink from. Mm. A whiskey glass. I love that. To bring your focus back to the thing you're doing. Because we're so distracted cool. these days. I thought, what if I could build a glass that is, is a little difficult to use. I mean, I told the story in the book about the square reader being difficult to use and why it's uh -huh. purposely difficult to use. Right. This is the same thing. It takes your attention back to the thing you're doing, which in this case is drinking. Uh, so, so I'm working on that. I've got a company called Invisibly, which is trying to solve, I think, the biggest problem in society right now, which is that our attention is not under our control. It's being bought and mm. sold by platforms that are mm -hmm. not necessarily holding our best interests at the highest level. Uh, the third thing I'm doing is I'm experimenting with a low-cost diaper hmm. because it turns out that poverty really starts when young families, particularly young single mothers, have to pay for diapers. And diapers mm -hmm. are 25 cents a pop, and I'm trying to build a five-cent diaper. And I don't know if it's possible, well, but that's, that's kind of where the energy is going. It sounds like we've got the right man on the job. I feel like if anyone can do that, it's, it's definitely you. And where can people learn more and get a copy of your book? Well, from Amazon, of course. I've been dissing them oh, all week, yes. so let's uh, <laughs> let's pay some love back to the company that I, that I literally criticized on the first page. Now, anywhere books are sold. Um, I'd prefer you bought it from a small bookstore if you yeah. can do that, um, but get it on Audible, get it on Amazon. And my hope is that if you read it, you'll not only laugh, but you'll find this moment where you go, oh, wow, now I recognize this moment that happened to me. And then hopefully you don't let the next one get past you. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We really, really appreciate it. This is so much fun. Thanks. You guys have great questions. It was so much fun to do. Hey, Rianne, are you ready to do that thing we practiced? Oh my gosh, is it time? I'm ready. Okay. Three, two, one. Don't, Don't forget, forget to subscribe and leave us a, us a review. review. Pretty good. <laughs> Today's episode was written and produced by Matthew Brown. Production support comes from Lauren Schild. Our engineer is William Lowe, with research from Corey Broccolini. And special thanks to Kyle Denhoff and Lisa Toner. Word of mouth is the best way to help people discover our little podcast. Be sure to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review, you know, to let other people know how awesome we are. We have some amazing guests coming up this season that you won't want to miss. See you next time.